2: No one person can say, I have the gift of healing. No. No one has the one gift of healing because these are gifts of healings. So I think you have to be very careful. When a person does that, they kind of go, well, I can just heal it. That's a gift God gave me. I can just heal however I want to heal. I struggle with that because I don't really think that's there. God is the only one who heals and he receives the glory. Not I have the gift of healing. I have to be careful with that.
0: When you read the accounts in the book of Acts of God healing people, casting out demons and giving boldness to people to witness for Jesus, the contrast between then and now can be saddening. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how to get them operating in your life. You'll get a better idea of what the gifts actually are and how to use them. You'll find out about the abuse of them in the Corinthian church and how you can avoid that same problem. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as he continues his message, Spiritual Gifts.
2: Through First John, be careful, test the spirits, make sure that is from God. Well, it sounds good. The person I know, they're, they're terrific. No, prophecies, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, those things have to be tested by the word of God and by the elders and the pastors in the church. Now, because of this deception, that's why God placed shepherds to not only feed the flock, what else does a shepherd do? He guards the the flock. Because, and I'll say it kindly, I'm a sheep already, so you don't have to worry about because sheep are dumb. We've already told you that many times, right? I don't mean that in a funky way, but we just kind of follow wherever. And so once again, this gift is going to do what? It's going to protect the body to be straight. Jesus, John, Paul, Peter, and the disciples demonstrated this gift of discernment. They all knew this gift of discernment. They used it over and over again. Whoa, what are you? Man, you're lying. Over and over and over again. A few years ago, we had a very difficult thing over in Lakeland. It was worldwide. It was from Satan. And I rarely ever really speak about that because I just want to be known for what we're for, not against But I felt led by the Spirit. I did a two-week series. CNN was going to fly in here. And why are you doing that against that and whatever? And of course, by the time they got here, before they got here, it all disintegrated. The whole thing went down the tubes. Many people will never be back in church again because the guy was having sex and drunk every night while he's on 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 the platform supposedly healing people. It was just a disaster. But see, sometimes we just have to speak up because Satan's a great deceiver. During the Revelation... Satan is going to perform all kinds of miracles. And when people see it, they're going to go, whoa, that's from God. See, Satan can perform miracles. Go back to the Exodus. Moses would do something. What would the false leaders do? Pharaoh, they'd do the same thing. So be careful. Everything you read looks good. Be careful. That's why we watch what's in our bookstore. Because there's lots of stuff that just isn't right. Now, Next group are the dynamic gifts. Notice this. The power to do. The power to do. And these are faith, healings, and miracles. Now, if there's any three that kind of blend together, you can't really sometimes differentiate these. These are kind of just operating together. Look at verse 9. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, Gifts of healing by that one spirit to another, verse 10, miraculous powers. So let me give you the gift of faith to start. Here's the definition. The gift of faith is not saving faith, but a supernatural faith imparted by the Holy Spirit that enables a Christ follower to believe God for extraordinary and miraculous. Every one of us in here have the gift of faith to believe. God gave us that ability. So it's saving faith. This is not that kind of faith. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 3. I think it will help you as we go through it. Remember, as Peter preached, 3,000 people became saved. And saving faith was operated. and, And all of a sudden... By the way, I believe in his sermon, he had words of wisdom, he had words of knowledge, he had prophecies, all kinds of things going through there, because he didn't prepare that sermon. God was giving it to him as he spoke. It was amazing. Same with Stephen's sermon in Acts chapter 7. It's a phenomenal sermon. Again, just used by the Spirit. Now, Peter and John healed this man who had never walked in this whole scenario, and people, when they saw it, There was a couple things that they were starting to praise. Later, Peter and John, wow. Remember one time Paul did the same kind of thing? And man, you're gods. You're one of our Greek gods. Paul said, whoa, 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 I'm not a Greek god. It wasn't me. So when they started asking Peter what was happening, how was this man who had been like this his whole life, how was he healed? Look at verse 16. This is an amazing answer. And this is the picture of the gift of faith. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. Well, whose faith was it? That was Peter's faith. It was a gift of faith. It could be a gift of healing. It could be a gift of miracle at the same time. I mean, it, it's hard to distinguish him. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has given the complete healing to him, as you can now see. So this was Peter's answer as to how this crippled man from birth was supernaturally healed. This isn't a slow healing. Anytime we bang a foot or cut a whatever, God has healing in us. He just, I mean, our nature, he just heals it. This is a man who hasn't ever walked, gets up and runs. That's supernatural. Peter says, that's exactly how. Now, look back at Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Look how this operated. As they were walking in, this man reached out. And look at him. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. What did he have? At that moment, he had either a gift of faith, a gift of knowledge. He had a supernatural healing. He had one of the gifts that just rose up. I mean, no way you and I are going to say that in the natural. But supernaturally, Peter knew in his heart that God was going to heal this man right now. You know the end of the encounter. God healed him. Now, not only did that man walk, what happened to the kingdom of God as a result of that? Another 2,000 got saved. See, so all of these things were never bought. Peter knew enough not to take it. Well, it was me. No, it wasn't him. It was a gift that was used through him. And it expanded the kingdom of God again. Purpose. Build up the body of Christ. Now, what was all that really? Probably the gift of healing and miracles operated with the gift of faith. I, don't worry about how to define it. Just that the guy walked away. That's all that matters, right? Praise the Lord. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians twelve nine To another... Notice, circle this in your Bible and always help you to remember, gifts, plural, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. So here's the definition of that. Gifts of healing, plural, healings, plural, are those healings that God performs supernaturally by the Spirit. The plural is A lot of discussion about that among commentators. The plural suggests that there are many sicknesses, obviously, and diseases. And the gift is related to the healing of many disorders. Now, notice the gifts and healings are both in the plural. It indicates various gifts to heal all kinds of sicknesses. Now, that means the Holy Spirit wants to use a variety of people to minister these gifts. Probably we come to this definition. No one person can say, I have the gift of healing. No. No one has the one gift of healing. Because these are gifts of healings. So I think you have to be very careful. When a person does that, They kind of go, well, I can just heal it. That's a gift God gave me. I can just heal however I want to heal. I struggle with that because I don't really think that's there. God is the only one who heals, and he receives the glory. Not I have the gift of healing. I have to be careful with that. Now, people can be used because they have faith. They can develop that. But when you think of gifts of healing, why is that in the Scripture? Well, it brought people to Christ. It brought many people to salvation. He went through the country. Many times, what did Jesus do? He healed them all. He healed them all. We don't see that today. Other times, Jesus, he left people unhealed. When he came to that pool at Bethesda, how many were healed? One. All the rest were around the pool still. Now, anyone that ever comes to you and says, uh, I understand the, the gift of healing. Good luck. I don't understand it. I don't know that we're meant to. But does God still heal? Yes, he does. My mom died at 43. Pastor's wife. Breast cancer. Boom. Prayed, prayed, prayed. Wonderful and amazingly other woman. Other people are unbelievers. Get healed. We don't have an answer to it, but we know God heals. And the other thing you have to be careful of, well, he healed that way. How many ways did Jesus heal? Oh, my goodness. See, no way you're going to have the church of the the spit-in-the-mud healings. (laughs) That would hit the Today newspaper really quick. That would empty out this church, no doubt. You have to be careful. God's just unique. Remember, diversity but unity. Diversity but unity. Now, is there a place where we're called to be prayed for? Yes, you are. You are to call for the elders of the church that they may anoint you with prayer And that prayer will heal you. By the way, in small groups, people ask me this all the time. Does it have to be an elder to pray? No. Any Christian can pray for another person. You just lay your hands on them and God just bless them and ask for God to increase your faith. Sometimes when we're sick, we don't have faith to be healed ourselves because we're depressed and we're we're discouraged. And that's why we need other people that know nothing is impossible with God. And so we have faith. So we pray today. We absolutely believe. Now... Let's go to verse 10. To another, miraculous powers. All right, what is this? Look at this. The working of miracles is a manifestation of God's power beyond the ordinary course of natural law. As God performs a miracle, the laws of nature, they're altered, suspended, or bypassed. God's just this. Now, if you have the correct concept of God, that nothing is impossible, you don't have any problem with the working of miracles. Jesus did that over and over again. And remember, God is a supernatural God, and nothing is impossible with God. All through the Old Testament, we see all these supernatural miracles. By the way, it starts with creation. It goes after Abraham and Moses and Joshua, and when we come to the New Testament. Did we see miracles all over the place? Supernatural things that are just impossible to do. When we take that boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, we remember that night way back two thousand years ago. Peter's walking on water. Jesus walking on water. That's impossible. And I never challenge anybody, let's see how your faith is, okay? Just throw you out of the boat because we never have anybody go to Israel anymore. Jesus, what was his first thing? Went to a wedding, what did he do? Took water, made great wine. Jesus took five loaves and how much? Two fishes? What did he do with it? Fed 15,000 people. Well, how do you do that? It surpassed the laws that God uses supernaturally. By the way, miracles didn't stop when Jesus went back to heaven. People say that today there's no more miracles. I don't believe that at all. We see miracles. I've been healed. Many of you have been healed. There's all kinds of things that are happening that God is able to do. You remember one time... Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, he looks straight at this guy, Elemas, and he says this, you are a child of the devil and the enemy of everything that's right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, word of knowledge to him. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time and unable to see the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him. How do you do that? That's God. And by the way, at the end result of this, the proconsul who watched that was amazed and started to believe the teaching of the Lord. Again, expand the kingdom of God. Once again, the key is, bottom line, the kingdom of God has expanded more people. Now, go verse 10, to another prophecy, to another distinguish between kinds of spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. This is the last group we're going to talk about. The declarative gifts. These are the power to speak. So the first one we'll talk about is prophecy. It's the prompting of the Spirit to speak a message from God of exhortation or comfort to believers. Prophecy consists of words, you'll see when we get to 1 Corinthians 14, of words of edification, exhortation, comfort, spoken when they're needed the most. This is not the same thing as the minister gift of prophecy, which we see in Ephesians 4. We'll talk about that in greater detail when we get there to chapter 4. But prophetic messages do not have the same status as the prophecy of Scripture. Of course, they must be judged by Scripture. Now, let me read to you 1 John 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So again, spiritual gifts can be counterfeited by Satan. So we have to be careful. That's why these prophetic words, whatever, need to be judged to see if that's really from God or not. Is it a man saying that? Is it the spirit of God saying that? Is it the spirit of the enemy saying that? Let me just talk about words of prophecy. Where does that happen a lot? Well, the gift of a prophet, we see numbers of times that in the scripture. But prophecy is words that will build up and encourage and exhort people to do things. Very often, that is one of the gifts that I have. If you come here, and people that want to come to a church, many of our pastors have this gift, and they don't want to be exhorted. They just want to stay status quo. They're not interested. They don't hang here very long. Now, why is it? Because the word makes them feel what? Uncomfortable. Well, that's for a purpose. So prophecy is words of comfort. Come on, get with it. Exhortation, encouragement. It's building up what? The body again. It's the body again. Often these kind of things, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, prophecy, happen while I'm teaching. You don't know it, but I know it. I get home and I go, Pastor David and I were talking about that long ago. Where did that come from? That wasn't in my notes. That was the Spirit. And then people come and say, why did you say that about me? <laughs> Excuse me? Who are you? <laughs> that's who? That's the Spirit of God speaking to them. See, sometimes people say, well, the gifts don't operate in this church. What are you, crazy? I mean, they operate like mad in this church. Now, we could all do better. And that's why I've given this. This is a challenge to us, remember? We can do that better privately and so forth. By the way, quickly, gift of prophecy. When Calvary Chapel got started, some of you have heard this, Pastor Chuck was in this little group. In fact, when he decided to come to this little church of 25 people, they had already basically said they were going to disband between the time he said he was coming. He didn't know it. He said, well, we're going to go on with the church anyway. And so they had this little prayer meeting, and a lady came up to him in a prayer group and just said, I believe God's telling me that you are going to be the shepherd of thousands of flocks. Well, here he just 25 people. And a little building. You know, and our natural thing is, okay, who is that lady over here? Do you know her? Did she just walk off the street or what? So what Chuck did was she was a solid believer. How are you gonna judge that? Well, he didn't judge it, he just put away in his own heart and he just waited. What did God do? Made a shepherd of thousands and thousands of flocks. See, way back then. And it was a word of encouragement to him. God doesn't despise what? Small beginnings. Do you realize how much God cares for us? We need to be exhorted. We need to be comforted. We need to be encouraged. And so he uses all these kind of gifts to do specifically that. Now, different kinds of tongues people misunderstand this. It's not a gift of speaking naturally, a language. If i going on a cruise to France this summer, can I have the gift of speaking in French? No, get your Barlet's book out or your whatever and start studying. Remember on the day of Pentecost, there were so many nationalities there. These people heard in their own language, the praises of God. The 120 didn't know their language. It was God supernaturally. And we'll cover tongues and interpretation of tongues much more deeply when we get to chapter 14. Because really, chapter 14 is all about tongues, how that works, the gift publicly and privately. And then how does it work with prophecy and how do we do that on all that. So that is a gift, again, that can build up an individual powerfully. Now, in chapter 14, as I said, we'll get there. Interpretation of tongues, it's the same thing. If this gift is going to be done in a public setting of believers... Somebody must prophesy. In other words, interpret the gift. They must say, this is what the Lord says. And basically, we believe when there's a public use of tongues, and we would do that in a small group, and here's why, so you'll understand. On Sunday, in our services, we'll have 1,000 people, minimum. Most services, 2,000, 2,500 people. Somebody stands in, in the middle of a sermon, which is totally wrong, out of sequence, gives some kind of a message, how in the world? Don't know the people. How, do we get, how are we going to judge that? It just doesn't work today like that. So it has to be more smaller settings where you can know. So sometimes we used to have afterglows, believers meeting, where people can give a word of prophecy and so forth. But there has to be an interpretation. And when we get to chapter 14, don't let it confuse you. You'll see that Paul says, well, if you do that and there's no interpretation, people think you're crazy. That's exactly right. And what was happening in Corinth? People are just standing up all the time during service, and pretty soon Paul said, "Whoa, whoa, limit it, limit it, limit it! What are you what's wrong with you people? No wonder your church isn't going to grow anymore." People come in and go, "What language is that?" So it's supernatural. It can be a language of humans, or it can be a, a language of angels. So it's supernatural. Now let me just finish because I think I want to end with this, so it isn't like confusing to you. Look at verse eleven. All these are the work of one. And the same spirit. And he gives them to each just as he determines. So remember, who's the boss? God is. And he knows what gifts you need. He knows what I need. What manifestations are. And and sovereignly, he distributes the gifts as he wants. Now, I want to end with a statement. And I want you to write it, even though it sounds stupid to write it. I want you to write this last statement. Be open to all that God has for you. Now, as I said, some of you, this is very strange. You went to a church and were told none of this still operates today. You won't, I don't believe, find anywhere in the scripture that the Bible teaches that. But it is always, as 1 Corinthians 14 says, Paul says all those gifts are to be operated within boundaries And it's uplifting in the church. It's not confusing. God is never the author of confusion. And that's what Paul is writing to. And sometimes we've had that, not in our churches, but that was kind of in the past. So Paul uses these words, be done decently and in order. Because who's supposed to be uplifted after all of this? Not the Holy Spirit. Who? Jesus.
0: Today, Pastor Mark taught about the danger of your being fooled by satanic counterfeits of God's gifts. You were told about the necessity of having good church leadership who's watching out for your spiritual health. You also learned that it's important for you to be familiar with the Bible so that it will be harder for false teachers to trick you and lead you astray. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This wraps up Pastor Mark's teaching, Spiritual Gifts. Next time, he'll begin his message, Tongues and Prophecy. You'll learn what the gift of tongues are. Did you know that there are two types of gifts of tongues? Pastor Mark will explain the differences as well as their functions in the lives of Christ followers. He'll also explain what the gift of prophecy is. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.
1: In a